New voice memo from Adrian. Oh, I had a really funny idea the other day. <laughs> and that is, what if we called our live show a divorce shower? <laughs> uh, I think that's such a great idea. Also, I think a divorce shower is very practical. And I think we should uh, bring, that, bring that into the culture and normalize it. Welcome to Open Heart Surgery, a podcast where two queer best friends delve into the nuances of relationships and get curious about how to become our most loving selves. Hey, Suze. Hey, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, Can we... How are you doing? So sorry. (laughs) How are you doing? I'm doing well. Next thing. (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks oh, for asking. Good. Well, I guess I knew that because we've been chatting a little bit we off, been chat- off oh. mic. Yeah. Um, little behind the scenes. We don't just <laughs> sit in front of mics and talk to each other. We actually talk outside of sitting in front of mics. <laughs> Only sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we say, oh, we can't talk about this anymore. We need to talk about this on the podcast. Yeah, we completely stop talking sometimes. <laughs> it's true. So, want to start by talking about our, as you've appropriately named it, divorce shower? <laughs> yes. Yeah, let's talk about our upcoming live show. Woohoo! Season one finale is going to be finale. live. Yeah, so we're going to do it January the 13th. It only just occurred to me that we have not actually announced it on the podcast we said we were going to do a live show, and then that was it. I know. We have announced on social media. So once again, if you don't follow us on social media, <laughs> you really them. should. <laughs> you really should follow us on social yeah, media. Yeah, we have a fun social. You're not getting the full experience. You're getting a good experience here, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> but the full experience is to also see us on social media. It's always fun. We decorated some open heart surgery branded Christmas cookies this weekend, and that is an exclusive for our Instagram followers. For our Instagram followers. And yeah, Facebook. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You have to follow us on social media. I also um, I did an impromptu uh, karaoke of a pink song the other day, <laughs> completely a cappella. It was, uh, and if you weren't following us, I'm sorry it's gone. It was just a story. It got so, it got a number of likes and comments. Yeah, it was just this. <laughs> it was a 24 hour situation. So um, you either you're never going to see that again, or you need to go to karaoke <laughs> with me. One of those. Yeah, but you won't see that again. But you can see similar right gold content. There will be yeah. There will be other moments. All right, live show. Yes. Friday, January 13th, yes. here in Charlotte, North Carolina at Free Range Brewing, one of our favorite yes. brewing spots. Great space for events. We love Free Huge Range. Huge shout Brewing. out to Free Range. Yes. Um, and it's not just going to be us talking. It will be. It will be us talking. We will be talking, yes. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> but a good amount. we're also going to have some stories from some Charlotte storytellers, peeps, some poetry. It's going to be really fun and interactive, and I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. Yeah, we're going to have some interactions with our audience. I think we can say that. Yeah. So, like, if you want to be part of the podcast, you should come and interact with us. Yeah, for sure. For those of you who are out of town who cannot come in, 
which we would encourage you to come in. Yeah, we we've some... got people from out of state coming. Yeah, we do. Uh, one of my friends from Colorado is coming. Shout out to Kelly. Kelly. And three of my friends from Memphis are coming. Yes. Shout out Emma, Haley, and Jess. Yes, so excited for all of y'all coming. It's going to be so fun. I know. So yeah, if you are out of state, we would love for you to come. But we are also going to have some ways you can interact with our live show if you can't come. So just keep posted for that. So stay tuned for ways you can participate in the live show, even if you can't come to the live show. Yeah. But also, you should come to the live show. You should. And I know we're calling it a divorce shower. Uh-huh. Are people supposed to bring gifts? I mean, so here's the thing is I really do think divorce showers make a lot of sense. They do. And honest, honestly, they make more sense than wedding showers in a lot of ways these days. So true. Because now when like when a lot of people get married, either, you know, they've usually live in, lived together for a while and they have a bunch of stuff. When you get divorced, you're losing some shit. Like yeah. maybe it's amicable divorce and maybe you're not losing that much, but you're going to lose some things. You know, the thing I lost that I haven't replaced and I just get sad because I'm like, damn it. That is what I lost in the divorce that I really liked. You it's lose? so insignificant. Right. I could replace this for $40. Right. A Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> Someone bring no, Sue's a actively Bluetooth speaker. Please don't. Actively please don't. But yeah. We're not asking for gifts. We're not actually asking no, for gifts. It's a live I do show. think, yes, I, I do, do think, think you, you a divorce shower. Them. No, I do think a divorce shower is a good idea. I do think like that is something that we should we should normalize in our society. Absolutely, we would love to see you for our season finale. And I just keep thinking so much lately about how different my life is now and i think you would say probably your life yeah, i don't same. want to speak for you but probably you would agree um how different my life is now than a year ago this time when everything was so hard and not to say you know like everything's perfect right yeah i think the live show is going to be a huge healing finale of like yeah we took this dark time and made it into something really beautiful yeah, I agree. I think mm. it's going to be really pretty. Yeah, And, and we have our outfits picked out. We do have our outfits picked out. So we're recording this intro actually the same week that this episode is coming I out. I know, we never get this treat. This is actually the first time we've recorded a full intro since we started the podcast. I know. So we are speaking to you from very close to present day. Which is really cool because a lot of our episodes... I love it because it's kind of like a diary or like a time capsule yeah. of how we felt at this one specific moment. But I yeah. feel so different now yeah. that I'm listening and I just think, oh, that brokenhearted girl, I just want to give her a big hug. Yeah. But I love having that. You know, same. Yeah. It's been really cool to listen back to like what we recorded in like June or July or August and be like, oh, that's really interesting. I felt that way. I know. Then. And like some of those big emotions... They're still big. They but are. I don't know. They feel differently now. And yeah. I feel more like I've adjusted to them. I feel more comfortable with them. And I've learned to embrace them. And I think that's been really cool to listen back to it and get that feeling. It's also been really cool just all the conversations we've had mm. with our friends and just people around the podcast. We've, we've heard, heard from so many people yes, in our lives. Like so many people that I haven't talked to in forever. I know. And people who've just told us how much the podcast has meant to them. 
And that's meant so much to us. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I love is people saying that they're learning from it. Yeah. That's been been amazing. Because I've learned so much from it too. too. Not that I didn't expect that to happen, but it's happened more than I've expected. Mm-hmm. I agree. It, so much of this podcast felt like we were doing it for us, which we were, but also like it's cool that it's, I know. it's been good for other people. I, I don't know about this, but do you want to do like a dating update? Yes, let's do that. So the last thing I think I talked about dating is I'd just broken up with someone who I was dating mm-hmm. for a couple months. Yeah. And to just give you an idea of a time frame, I think that was in... August. I want to say that was like beginning of August is when I broke up with them. And then I went like a little while where I wasn't dating anyone and I was just kind of chilling and being myself working on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I'd try, try dating again. So I did. I got back on the apps and I met someone who's really cool. And I've been dating her for, I don't know, a little over two months, like two and a half months. She's um, really cool. She's really cool. And it's been really cool to see what I could learn from the past relationship and just like Mm -hmm. the podcast and just processing all of this. And I've learned that one, it doesn't need to move quickly. There's no time frame that it needs to move in. So we are dating. We're not calling it anything. We're just having a good time, Mm -hmm. spending time together, being very intentional about our relationship, but also not worried about like what it is or where it's going. Just enjoy it. And she's been so great. She's understood that. And we've been on the same page with that. We have these conversations regularly, which is just so cool. Our communication's just so open. Mm, um, that's the best. Yeah. She's a really special person. And we've spent some really good time together. And, this makes me happy. Yeah. And I know like when you were talking about the previous relationship you were in on the podcast for the episode that we talked about your breakup. Mm-hmm. I know you making sure to prioritize yourself and still take time for yourself and set a good pace that feels right for you for a relationship was something you really brought up and you said, maybe I could have done this differently, I think, or something like that. And it sounds like you truly learned from that experience. It didn't just happen to you and you moved on. It happened and you learned. Yeah, totally. And it's been really cool because she also is in a very similar place. And when we first started dating, she told me she was a very independent person, which I'd already gotten that vibe. (laughs) She's a very independent person, which I love. And she told me she was going to need, you know, some of her own time. Sometimes she was just going to need to be chilling at home with her cat. I was like, that's cool. And so, like, we've been very much on the same page that we both know that we need some of our own time. And we both know that we need, like, time to process it and see where it's going. But also just, you know, enjoying the time that we do spend together. Yeah. It's been a really good balance. It's been really good. Yeah. That's awesome. It seems healthy. Yeah. It has been really healthy. Do you have an update you would like to share? I do... I've been dating someone. Mm-hmm. I, we're like, I'm like in a relationship. Yeah, and that's big. Because you have not been in a relationship to speak of. You've done some dating, but yeah, you I've been dated, in a relationship but no, this year. Um, no, yeah. I haven't been. I'm not sure like how much of this I want to say because it's so special. It's like I almost want to like not talk about it just because it's so special. Yeah, but I want to talk about it to everyone. So <laughs> I've been dating someone truly magical and it's been so good yeah so if you've listened to the dating apps episode you'll know i was dating a lot 
And then I got kind of uninterested in dating and I would like see people on dates and just think, why? (laughs) Yeah, I remember you telling me at one point, I'm not going to date anyone else this year. (laughs) Oh, fuck. I said that. (laughs) Because you were so like burnt out by it. You were like, you were like, I think I'm done dating for the year. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we'll pick this back up in 2023. Yeah. But it happened unexpectedly, and I'll talk about it more on our finale. I don't want to give away. I don't want to give away the best parts yet. I want to save it for the live show, but it has been so good. That's awesome. And so healthy. And like someone who wants to meet my needs, doesn't tolerate meeting my needs, actually wants to, and vice versa. Yeah, it seems so healthy and like such a good match for you. It's been really cool to watch. You know me so well that you saying that means the literal world to me. And it feels, again, like I said about you and who you're dating, it feels so healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. Look at us. A couple healthy relationships. (laughs) You, if you told January us... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> December us would be here. Yeah. What do you think January you would have thought? I, I I think I would have thought I wasn't ready for it yet. I see that, yeah. But yeah. there's no timelines. Yeah, there isn't any Time timeline. is an illusion that we know nothing about. And I think I would have not known what the possibilities were. Yeah. Like, I feel like I had a much more limited view of like what that could look like yeah what like dating and being in a relationship with someone could Mm -hmm. look like i think again like i feel like i would have felt the need to put labels on it or a time frame on it yeah (laughs) but i feel so comfortable not having now like it feels very comfortable to not have a label or have a time frame on it yeah i think in january january me would have become surprised with how okay i was not being in a relationship. Yeah, that too, for sure. Because, like, I think I wanted to stay married so badly still then. Yeah. And I am so grateful I didn't. Yeah. I'm so freaking grateful. Yeah. I mean, it's been hard. It's been, this has been such a hard year for me for, you know, like other personal family reasons too. But yeah, because my mom has passed away, as I think I talked about. But yeah. It's been hard, but it's been such a pivotal year of my life. Yeah, same. Love you so freaking much. <laughs> I love you so much, too. Ugh. And I think that's uh, that's another <laughs> thing that... I get mad at how much I love you. I just want to <laughs> shake you. <laughs> that's another thing that's been such a cool thing from this year is, like, our relationship and just, like, the relationships I can have with other people mm-hmm. that have grown in, in different ways that I didn't expect. Yeah. And, you know, the relationship I have with Charity, my platonic yeah. partner, it's, like, in such a healthy place. And we've worked so hard at it. And, like, yeah. we still mean so much to each other to see it have grown from some really difficult times mm-hmm. and, like, gone through the hardest thing we've gone through. And for us to still have a really solid relationship. Mm-hmm has been so cool. That says a lot about how much effort you've both put in. Yeah. It's wild that this is the way we're coming to the end of the year, you know? And it's wild that we're in this place. It's so great. I know. And it's my birthday week. It's your birthday week. Yes. I hope I get birthday shout outs from listeners. Yes. Everyone give Sue's a birthday shout out on her birthday, which is December 10th. Yeah. Saturday. And Saturday. Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius through and through. Yes. 
You'll learn more about that on a future episode. Spoiler alert. So should we talk about what we've been doing today? Okay, yeah. Let's talk about what we did this morning or early afternoon. So my friend Megan, who I did improv with several years ago, we did a couple classes of improv with, and who's just a very cool person, mm-hmm. does these writing classes, and I really wanted to take one, and I invited you to take it with me, and it was a really fun writing class. Yeah, it was a blast. So she does like these grounding techniques where we did like some breathing exercises and just got very into our bodies and just very grounded, I guess there's no other word I have for it. So we just got really grounded, and then she gave us some writing prompts, and we started writing. And it was just really cool. It was awesome. I haven't focused on writing like that in years. Yeah. I really liked it. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I love sharing it with you. Mm -hmm. And of course, I write a lot. Yeah. But honestly, I haven't written a lot in the last six months, mainly because (laughs) I've been working on this podcast. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. It's a lot of my creative time and energy for sure. But it's been great. But as we're sort of winding down the podcast a little bit, which we're in like the last half of our season at this point. I have been thinking about the writing projects I want to work on going forward. And I kind of wanted to kickstart that. So it was a really good workshop for kickstarting that. Yeah. How did you feel about the workshop? Or what, what were some things that stood out to you about it? I like that she gave us a certain amount of time to do each prompt. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like when I try to do things like that on my own, I'll like stare off into space or I'll start doing something else or I'll check my email or, you know, it's so easy to get distracted. But this was such a focused workshop that we were just doing this and nothing else. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really awesome. And I also love that she said it was like a confidential safe space yeah and so she invited people to share if they wanted to and we both shared which Mm -hmm. was brave yeah i would like to read what i share what i wrote yeah i would love that is that okay yeah for sure let me pull up my laptop please share i'm a little nervous you need to be nervous you can share this is like the most vulnerable thing ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah Okay, this feels like a very open heart surgery moment. It is, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to read a writing piece I did. What? Who am I? I'm so freaking brave. You're so brave. Okay. I love that you're sharing this. All right. So the prompt was, I'm going to give you some advice. I'm going to give you some advice. Love wholeheartedly. Fail fast. Get messy, but don't be messy. Use salted butter. Write letters to your friends. Change your air filters. You actually have to do that. (laughs) Know your parents tried their best. Tell people you love them when you feel it. Put yourself first, but know yourself well enough to know when you should prioritize others. Adopt an abundance mindset. Scream when you need to, but not at other people. Take yourself out to dinner. Don't put vodka in that white wine that won 4th of July in 2013. (laughs) Ask them out. Spend money on experiences over things. Learn what you really need in a relationship and seek out partners who actually want to give it to you. Burnout is real. Learn how it feels in your body and nip it in the bud before it becomes all-consuming. Therapy and medication are gifts. Say I love you first. Tell people exactly what you want. Life is far too short to count calories. Never stop learning. Make something creative with your best friend. Dance when you're happy and also when you're sad. Intuition is real. Aw, I love that. I have not written anything in years. It was so It feels crazy so that I did that. 
It's so beautiful. I loved when you shared it in the workshop because it was. Just I was like shaking. So beautiful. I love that. You make me feel brave. Like you make me know I can do hard things. I'm so glad you make me feel that way too. Can I read another thing I wrote? Yes. <laughs> now I'm on a roll. Please so, read another thing you wrote. I think you'll explain this prompt. You know, the one I want to read is the letter or like the writing to someone. Mm-hmm. I think you'll explain the prompt better than I will. So the prompt was Megan had us close our eyes and imagine that we were sitting across from someone who knows us and loves us. And the prompt was either for us to write as if we were writing to that person or to write as if that person was speaking to us. And Megan asked that we write this about someone who makes us feel deeply seen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote about Adrian. Uh Uh-uh. And I have not read this to them, but I want to. Okay? Okay. I'm going to (sighs) cry. I hope it's that good. (laughs) It might not be that good, so don't get your hopes up. Well, if I don't Hold your horses. (laughs) Don't feel disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Loving you and being seen by you has changed my life. You are friendship redefined. You make me a better human. I'm going to (laughs) cry. You make me a better human. I want to share endless stunners with you, get more matching tattoos, and fall asleep while we watch movies for years to come. When something big or small, joyful or tragic happens in my life, you're the first person I tell. And I want you to tell me everything too. With you, I am seen and celebrated just for being myself. I hope I make you feel the same way because I always want you to be just you. And on top of what a caring, deep person you are, you're also one of the funniest people I've ever met. Mm -hmm. The cherry on top of your magnetic presence. Aw, that means so much to me. Fucking love you. (laughs) I love you. You're my bestie. You're my bestie too. Wow, I had a creative morning. Okay, so also (laughs) for that same prompt, I also wrote about you. (laughs) Oh my God. So I did write. I I, didn't even pay you. (laughs) So I did write a little bit different. I sort of started writing it as if it was you talking to me, which like Mm -hmm. now that's that's really great because you did write to me. (laughs) Um, And then also as I started writing, I started thinking about how I felt like it kind of went both ways. Like I felt like it was kind of you you speaking to me and what I knew you would say to me. And also, I kind of felt like it was me talking to you because I felt like it was very similar to what I would say to you. So I'm going to read mine. Oh, I can't wait. I see in you someone who loves fully and completely. Someone who tries their damnedest to be themselves authentically. Whatever that means at the moment in time in life. Someone with a deep passion for relationships and for creativity. You inspire me regularly and your inability to leave no stone unturned on your search for meaning, self-understanding, and self-acceptance. I feel completely myself around you, and I know you work hard to foster that level of acceptance and comfortability. It means so much to me. We have so many amazing memories together, and I know we'll have so many more. I know there's no argument that we can't work through, no stressful situation that we cannot figure out together, And no huge, overwhelming, life-crushing event (laughs) that we cannot weather together. Yeah. (laughs) 
Though I know our lives will change over the years, I know you'll always be there for me. A phone call, text, drive, or even a plane ride away. We will always be there for each other. Oh my God, that is beautiful. We will. We will. Yes. I love you. I love you. (laughs) My God. Now that I'm reading through it, I don't even know. So (laughs) loved. You are so loved. Now that I'm reading through it, I don't even know which points of that I'm is me talking to you or are you talking to me it sounds it's like all the same. it sounds like the same okay i'm crying <laughs> me too <laughs> open heart surgery <laughs> what a morning it was a good morning yeah so should we flip this and now talk about economics <laughs> there is no smooth segue i have for this so money <laughs> so let's talk about money. <laughs> but we're talking about more than that. We are. But I do want to talk about that. However, before we go any further, I did just want to do a quick plug for my friend Megan's blog. So she is on Substack. If you're not familiar with that, it is a blog slash email newsletter platform. So you can go to the site and either read it or subscribe to her blog and it will email it to you. That substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K dot com. And the name of her blog is Nomad-ish. So N-O-M-A-D dash I-S-H. And you should go check out her writing. She's a great writer. She actually just got back from walking the El Camino de Santiago in Spain. If you're not familiar with it, it's like a 500 mile trail that she walked and she wrote about it and it's just really great writing and she does these writing workshops regularly so if you're looking to expand your writing or do some writing workshops you should definitely check them out as you can tell we got a lot out of it so go check her out and see what she's up to over on her blog so today's topic now that we're quite a bit into the episode (laughs) (laughs) is on economics and relationships Mm -hmm. and I remember this as a topic that we talked about very early on because it was something I was intrigued with. And then you had some different perspectives. And then we talked about how big this topic was and how many different ways we can talk about it. My memory is so bad. (laughs) That's amazing that we discussed that. I have no idea what my perspectives were, but yeah. So let's start with that. Let's just talk about when you think of economics and relationships, what do you think of? So what I think has evolved dating before my marriage, I never really gave a thought to money while dating. Mm -hmm. And I didn't give a thought to that when getting with my ex-wife. It wasn't on my mind really Mm -hmm. in terms of like, what kind of partner do I want? Yeah. But getting married and sharing finances with someone is huge. Yeah. Like so big. Marriage is also, it's very financial in that way. You're having your whole life together. And I take that a lot more seriously now. And um, it's, I think it's a huge topic. Yeah. I mean, just practically speaking, isn't that, they say that's like the biggest arguments you'll have in your Mm -hmm. marriage are often about money. I was actually looking and doing some research today and financial conflict is the second leading cause of divorce, uh, second only to infidelity. Mm. So that's 
a lot. Yeah. And that was definitely something like in my relationship. Again, we had a good relationship and we could talk about it. But it was one of the topics that was very hard for us to talk about. Yeah. And for us to get on the same page about. In my marriage, it was a lot of me driving the bus in terms of what do we want to save for? What do we want to spend? What do we want to splurge on? What do we, which we invest? Like, I think it was a lot of me having opinions. Yeah. And my ex, I don't know, like they didn't really have opinions or didn't feel like sharing or yeah, probably all of the above or maybe they're just like, you know, I'm like a very financial person because I love business and like I love numbers and finances. So maybe it's just that I'm really interested in that. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of relationships, there is often one person who is kind of in charge of money, who's yeah. mainly like observing the bills and like kind of keeping track of that. And I think for both of us, we were that person in our respective relationships. Yeah. Which is a big mm-hmm. responsibility. But you need a balance. You yeah, need you someone, do. you need to be on the same page financially, which is hard. And you need someone who every once in a while will be like, maybe we shouldn't go out to eat tonight and you need and that can't be the same person every time otherwise that person just becomes the buzzkill for sure for sure something that i've considered while dating this year that i have never Uh (laughs) given thought to before is i need someone who's financially independent yeah and i have financially carried the weight i think in a lot of past relationships and I'm like in my 30s and I want to do fun things and I I want to be able to travel and have fun. Right. Money to me is like the it's security. Yeah. And I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Yeah. Same. And I make a decent living. I'm not like rolling in the dough. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Same. (laughs) It's like like I can afford my life. Yeah. Same. And the things I want to do. And that's, to me, like, that's what I want money for. I don't need to have or want to have a huge home, all the nicest things. Like, yeah. that's not that's not me. If that is you, I love that. Yeah. And I want to be your friend. <laughs> but <laughs> Take me out to dinner. <laughs> take me on the yacht. <laughs> Through being married, I realized someone's financial situation, I, I think this could come across very maybe inconsiderate or something but uh-huh. it's important yeah. if you're dating someone and especially if you're dating with the intention to get married like if it's important it matters right it does yeah I and mean, i think above all else like one big thing is just having that open communication yes. about that i think that is more important than anything uh, like so many things we've talked about like i feel like so much of it comes down to communication i know and especially like money is always a difficult subject to have it communication is. about and so i think it's just very good that like you are clear with each other and communicating like what your goals are financially where you're trying to get to and you know just finding ways to work that out and maybe that's you know you have separate bank accounts which was something i never considered in my mm-hmm. past relationship but like going forward i'm like you know that might be a good idea that we have separate bank accounts there are things that we split and there are things that maybe we spend separately on yeah. and that's up to us and the money that we have in in our separate bank account yeah that's really interesting i had a joint account yeah. when, in my marriage and i see the pros and cons both ways yeah i could be sold either way yeah for <laughs> I could sure be persuaded either way but i think that's the thing is it comes down to your relationship yeah and I think, that you've actually talked about it right and made a decision 
when yeah. I had a couple friends who were like been long term dating or were married and they had separate accounts, I was like, that seems so odd. And then like the more I kind of observed them and the way they talked about money, I would be like, oh, no, it seems healthy for them. To yeah. It have just that all depends separation. on the couple. Yeah. So I think that's important. Again, like you have yeah. those conversations. I will say, can I just say one thing? Yes. I love to look at the Venmo app. Yeah. And I do look at what people are doing on <laughs> Venmo. Like I was. This does not surprise me. I was actually talking. Oh my God. This is like, I was talking to who I'm dating. I can Ooh. say that. <laughs> yeah. No names. Yeah. Respect the privacy. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. This is such a private podcast. <laughs> we are confidential here. Um, but we were talking about Venmo, and I was like, oh, I love looking at people's Venmo history. And she was like, yeah, same. And social media tells you nothing. Venmo <laughs> is where you can learn who's breaking up, who's not. I now do all my Venmos as private. I used to just do friends. But uh-huh. now that I know how much I stock Venmo, everything is private now. I'm so sorry for y'all. It is wild to me when I see people who I know have been married for like eight plus years Venmo each other for like half of dinner Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> like, just pay it. Just pay for it. But also, if that's healthy know, for them. I know. Obviously, they're, they've been married a lot longer than I was. So. <laughs> Seems to be working out for them. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing is it just comes down to having the hard conversations and having the hard conversations early, which I think is a thing we don't do often. We have a conversation once it becomes a problem. But if you have the conversation before it's a problem, it's a lot less likely to be a problem. For sure. In my experience. Yeah. So obviously, your finances as a couple is obviously one big part of economics and Mm -hmm. relationships. And that's what I thought was interesting when we first started talking about economics and relationships, which obviously you don't remember. (laughs) That that was what came to mind for you. And we talked about different things around that, though, that we're probably going to touch on later. Mm -hmm. One is how our society is kind of set up for couples. Yes. It's not, oh, I remember talking about this now. Yeah, like yes. it's not really set up for single people. No. Like if you're a single person working a single job trying to own a house, which we both are, that is a lot harder than being in a relationship <laughs> Yeah, and trying to own a house and trying to pay your bills. Like our yeah. society is just set up for a two-income house. You're so right. And I realized when it was me single, I was like, oh, shit. I have to like actually look at my money a lot differently right. now. right. And not to mention the the ways your income changes, like if you have kids, mm-hmm. which I think we're going to talk about in a future episode. And that's not even talking about, you know, race and class yeah. and like all the differences in gender. gender and all the differences in, you know, how much money you make based on all of those things. Yeah, I know. So it's just, it is a really broad topic, obviously, and we are not economist we're we are just surgeons <laughs> we're just surgeons <laughs> of open hearts <laughs> i think there's a lot we could talk about there and i think we're going to touch on some of that for like season two episodes but i will say when i first wanted to start talking about economics and relationships i was thinking of it more metaphorically which is kind of what we're going to go into and what our interview for the day is around. So at the time, I remember I started thinking of my relationships in like these kind of interesting economic terms. And I started like kind of catching myself on that. And it was based on like something I read a while back about how we like speak in a lot of economic terms when we we talk about our relationships. We do. Like we'll be like, I value your friendship. 
Thank you for spending time with me. Yes. I love economics. Can I go on the record of saying that? No, that, I find economics very it's interesting. It's so fascinating. Like, I went to grad school for my MBA. My economics class, life ruining at the time. Yeah. Hindsight, so freaking fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I find it so interesting. Like, I remember I read the Freakonomics book. Oh my God, Freakonomics is way so back good. In the day. And I remember it just changing my mind, yeah. like the way I think about it. So I think I was thinking about this. When I was going through some hard times and I started realizing I was thinking of some of my relationships in kind of economic terms, Mm -hmm. which I found interesting. So I was thinking about the people I was putting a lot of time into and like in my mind, in my mind, there were people who felt like they were draining me and it felt like I was investing. You're in in the red. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like I was investing (laughs) in them and I was not receiving anything in return you know like i was not getting a return on that investment and i started thinking about people that i was investing in people like you that i was investing in spending time with with really like fed me obviously i'm mixing metaphors here but i love that (laughs) but i started thinking about i'm a good investment (laughs) you are a good investment i am i am But I started thinking about the amount of time I had and like how I wanted to spend that time. Again, very economics, the way we we talk about it. Yeah. And I realized that some of that made sense. Some of that was, okay, like this is a good way for me to Mm -hmm. know how to budget my time and for me to know how to look into the relationships that really enhance me versus relationships that maybe don't enhance me as much. Yeah. But then also I started thinking about how like that's not always the best way to look at relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're much more complex than that. It's not necessarily about your return on investment per se or like it's not necessarily about like the amount that you put in the amount being the amount that you get out because they're people and like sometimes people need a lot of grace and sometimes people need a lot of time that you put into them i think it's really interesting that there's a balance between the way you think about people if you think about them solely as what you get out of them or what you don't get out of them or if you think about them you know, how they feed you, how they don't you feed you, or if you just think of them as a whole person and you think, oh, this person could use this right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe I can provide it, maybe I can't. And like kind of investigating that. I just think it's a, it's a very nuanced conversation. And I think thinking about it in terms of economics was something that made me think about, maybe I'm not thinking about this in the most full way I can. And maybe there are some principles I can take from it, but also yeah. maybe there are some principles that I'm thinking of very, we'll say capitalistically, that I'm like, this is not a good return on my investment, that maybe that's harmful thinking and maybe that's not a good way for me to approach relationships and the way I think of other people. Does that make sense? That makes such sense. That's really fascinating. So then we were talking about doing an episode on economics and relationships. And then you found this really interesting author who wrote a book on economics and relationships. I did. And his name is William Nicholson. And the book is called The Romantic Economist, A Story of Love and Market Forces. And it was a really interesting read. For sure. We had a really interesting discussion with him. So we'll talk about this obviously in the interview. But an overview of the book is he was an economic student in a university and he found himself dating and He was having some issues dating and like he'll tell you very early on, someone told him he was a little too keen, spending a little too much time. And he started kind of applying some economic theory to his relationships. 
which is very interesting. In each chapter of the book, I definitely recommend the book. It's a fun read. Uh, it is mostly written around his experience. In each chapter, he kind of delves into a different economic theory. So he talks about like supply and demand. He talks about sunk cost theory. Mm-hmm. And he applies them to different relationships while he's dating. And it's just a very interesting way to look at relationships. Now, he tells you up front in the book that, one, this is not a great way to look at relationships necessarily, and two, it's a literal heteronormative. Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's a straight guy who's looking at dating straight women, and he does look at some of it very heteronormatively. Also, he's a college student, and... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We all had some bad ideas about how relationships worked back then. I was full of bad ideas. So he definitely... You definitely need to extend him some grace. And, like, the really nice thing is at the end of the book, and we'll talk about this, he kind of switches person, switches from his first person of him talking about his experience, and he kind of switches the third person he starts talking about William in the third person and you get the sense that this is a slightly older slightly wiser William who realizes some of the errors of his ways so it's a very interesting read you do and he talks about this you do need to take it with a grain of salt he's writing the process like he's he's giving you the process and he's being very vulnerable about some of the mistakes he makes of applying economic theory to these relationships And I think the overall thing, we'll talk about this again in the interview, but I think the overall thing that you come away with is, again, it's not black and white. And the fact that economics is often very black and white, it's often like there's risk analysis involved and there's like all these different things that you do in relationships that don't necessarily make sense on paper the way, you know, like money does. Right. So it's a very interesting read. I definitely recommend it if you want a good read on relationships and one guy's experience with that. But like I said, definitely take it with a grain of salt that this is a young guy who's kind of in the process of discovering. And I think that's the fun part for me. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like that. I like that he's trying new things and figuring things out. Yeah, and it's messy and it's cringy but like look at our year we were messy and cringy well we were, well i we were a little messy actually, and cringy at so times. no i keep saying things like that and i'm trying to take out shame and blame yeah for sure from my vocabulary we were not messy and cringy we were feeling people yeah in a messy world right. and he was also a feeling person in a messy world that's a great way to put it yes yes And I think that's a really interesting thing, too, is like it is someone who's dealing with something emotional. Yeah. He's dealing with like feelings and emotions and like datings and relationships. And he's applying it to this very unemotional thing. That is how we think about money or how we think of economy. And it's it's a really interesting mix of economic theory and relationships. And maybe there are some things you can take from it that, you know, make sense. Like maybe there are times when like yeah. you need to not invest your time in mm-hmm. a certain relationship right. because of what it's costing you. Yeah. And this I'm putting so many like air quotes. You're doing no a lot. Sees. I was just thinking that. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we need a sound effect for air quotes. <laughs> But there are times when maybe you do need to do a little bit of a risk analysis and be like, you know, maybe this relationship isn't right for me. And there are times when like, you know, you need to listen to your heart and you need to be like, if this feels right and this seems like the good thing for you to do, then you need to follow that. Yeah. I'm excited for this interview. Yeah. This was, I think, the first interview we recorded. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So yeah. (laughs) And like, this was a time when 
honestly, we were just excited to have someone to talk to. Because <laughs> we were like, who's going to want to talk to us? And I love that he wanted to. And also, yeah. like, it was a really cool first interview to record. Yeah. Like, it's interesting and yeah. awesome. And yeah, I'm excited to listen back to it now, months later. <laughs> yeah. We've definitely learned a lot about interviews and recordings since then. <laughs> But it was still, it was a really fun interview. Yeah, right? and, and William was, was just wonderful. Yes, he was great to talk to. And I'm really excited to kind of revisit that conversation. Yeah. So thank you, William. <laughs> like, deep, deeply, thank you. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to say about this? I don't think so. Come to the live show again, January 13th. Yeah. So let's listen to our interview with William Nicholson. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for chatting with us. The book is funny because I see it in a very sort of different light now because at, uh, at the end of the book, I don't know if you got to the end. Yes, I did. Yeah. There's a rather strange change in voice, which actually sort of suddenly starts talking about everything in the third person, which people yeah. thought was a bit weird. And some people got it, but not everyone. But um, it actually kind of reflected my own sort of view of the world. Uh, while I was actually writing it because you know it was a six month period in which I wrote it where I felt like I kind of learned quite a lot well I did actually start at the beginning thinking oh I know I'm going to start really applying some economic theories to my love life and I'm going to write about it sort of at the same time and then by the end you're like oh actually this this doesn't work uh, you just gotta you sort of got to break out of the, the pure, pure reason. And uh, you've got to sometimes take leaps of faith, which no economist could probably explain rationally. Um, so, yeah, there's a few angles we can, we can explore on that. I really love that kind of switch in perspective. Threw me off for just a second. I was like, wait, it's, you're William, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, so but the reviewers but weren't so polite about it. They're like, <laughs> what is this guy going on? It's my first book. I wasn't given the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, and I really appreciated that it was just kind of like, in retrospect, it's like you, we are looking at a different person, you know? And I thought that was like an interesting perspective. I guess to get us started, can you give us, for like our listeners, can you give us a summary of your story and the book and just kind of what made you want to go down this path? Sure. So... I was uh, an economics uh, student at, at university. I'm now, now a lawyer, which is a bit, bit of a shame, but um, <laughs> I um, was in a few relationships, a couple of long-term relationships while I was at university. Some of them didn't go quite to plan. And it was after university where I ended up falling quite head over heels for a girl I met at law school. And we quite quickly got into a relationship and I, after about six weeks or so, uh, got dumped. And mm. the, fee- the, 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 fee- the feedback was that uh, I was too nice, and that I was sort of being too, too attentive oh, and no. checking in on her too often, being too keen, really. And um, I was really stumped to find an explanation for how that's a bad thing. Uh, how, how can being too much of a good thing actually be uh, unattractive for someone so that was the first kind of like problem to solve as it were and I considered a few of my early, early days economics lectures on the laws of supply and demand 
where actually something is something's cheaper, it means you can buy more of it. It's certainly a good thing. But there are a few exceptions to that. And one of them was in the luxury goods market, where actually quite a lot of the value is uh, in the fact that they are expensive and short supply. And the signal that owning a luxury good gives to people around you, if you have an expensive Rolex watch, people go, oh, that, that guy or that woman has a, a great job or has you know, done well. And you know, it's that kind of prestige element. And I realized that the same must be true for a partner in that you don't, you don't want to be with someone who, you know, has been you know, do, doing the rounds, uh, you know, who's been asking lots, lots of people out and you, it doesn't make you feel particularly special to be the, the chosen one. Right. And so I sort of started comparing the sort of the game of the, the courtship game to being try, trying to sort of break into like a luxury goods market where you're, you're sort of trying to actually price yourself as relatively unobtainable, expensive. You are not that easy to, to sort of to, to nail down and become like a boyfriend that. or girlfriend. And so that that was like my first sort of analogy, which I was quite proud of. And I was like, I'm going to write an essay about this or a short musing article. Yeah. Uh, but then and then it just kind of uh, really just grew from there. And I sort of assembled my own experiences experiences of friends i sort of assembled them in a, a sort of little novella uh, about it was kind of based on my experience mainly but you know i really just drew on everything partly in my imagination what i've seen in films as well but um i sort of yeah put pulled together a series of mini stories really about economics and dating and the relationships a lot of it centered around game theory as well as kind of classic economics like supply and demand theory That's so interesting. Are there any major takeaways that you think we should keep in mind as we're, you know, we're both starting to date again? We are enjoying it, I think, I want to (laughs) say. It's been fun. But I know there are things that we want to do differently, and we're open to any and all advice you might want to give. God, well, it's difficult because I definitely wouldn't describe myself as a as a love expert. <laughs> of course, <laughs> is anyone part of the uh, part of the sort of story in the book is how it all sort of fall, falls apart uh, by yeah. uh, right. by adopting a a two a, a two um, sort of ra- rational approach to these things. And I think certainly for me, anyway, from an economics perspective, I find dating so much more interesting than long-term relationships um Uh terms of Mm -hmm. what's actually going on um and actually the way that i sort of modeled it as it was it's almost like a game of uh, in the card game theoretical terms like nuclear warfare (laughs) you have two two you have two sides neither of you knows exactly what the other person wants to do what their motivations are you don't want to give too much away about yourself because you don't want to be uh you don't want to get hurt basically you don't want to expose your your feelings too soon you don't want to scare them off and so you but you also want to build a relationship with them you want to build trust with them so actually i borrowed an enormous amount of my sort of advice of relationships from my dissertation which was about uh is it actually possible to to have a a nuclear weapon free world how Mm. do you actually go about establishing trust between two people who don't want to completely show their motives and who don't know everything about each other and i think the best advice i got there really is it's about doing things rather than saying things that reveal yourself to be the right type of person who wants to be in a 
long-term relationship. And a lot of that in economic terms is about incurring type revealing costs, they call them. So doing something which someone of a different type, say, I don't know if I can say this on your podcast, but in the book, you I just say whatever. Truth. <laughs> yeah. uh, call them dickheads and sweethearts. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like that. Uh, I, I really like that analogy. You go, the dickheads versus sweethearts. I like that. Yeah. So you know, everyone wants to be with a, with a sweetheart, ideally. That's my assumption anyway. There are some exceptions to that. <laughs> and you need to show that yourself to the other person that you are a sweetheart without breaching the first rule which is being too nice and and yeah. kind of going overboard the way you do that is by what i think it is actually kind of committing time to the relationship which is something which someone who has much shallower motives wouldn't be willing to do if you've got someone who's just interested in racking up notches on their bedposts they're going to try and take the path of least resistance they're going to go take you for for a dinner date which is close to home you know they've almost got the they all sort of map, mapped out how, how they're going to get the other person into bed as easily as possible whereas if you're actually willing you know to commit the time to developing the relationship a bit more naturally and more slowly to make everyone kind of comfortable with what's going on you're talking about daytime dates where you're actually so far removed from it becoming a sexual situation that that can't be your only motive Mm -hmm. so doing stuff like going to the park for a picnic rather than that sort of dinner in a expensive restaurant doing that that's a type revealing cost uh, Mm. because someone who's the dickhead isn't going to be willing to do that in the same way that someone with better motives would so even though it's like it's a very nice kind of gesture it's not too elaborate it's not too keen but it just actually just mark marks you out from the wrong type of people in a way which doesn't have to be sort of expressed in in words that's kind of my main kind of like dating tip if you are interested in someone is to think about how you can do that in a sort of quite discreet way but would be sort of noticed as being different about you i really like that that kind of the focus on doing versus saying i think that's a that's a really cool point to make so one of the reasons i got interested and and we kind of got on the conversation just because i just started dating and like the first time in a very long time and i started thinking of it in terms of how i was going about it with like a few different people and as someone who is not an economist and does not think necessarily economically i started thinking of it as sort of like stocks like i i have a few different options i'll like try this and one with, with one person try this with another person see what works and like kind of go from there so that's kind of what got me thinking like along those terms and like is there a correlation there you know with the way we think about our economy and the way we think about dating like you said you mentioned a lot of different things in your book that obviously you're taking a much more literal and studious approach with these economical terms but do you think we by default in society use some of these principles like you talked about supply and demand and i feel like that is the equivalent of don't put yourself out there too much yeah Um, how do you think we use some of those economic principles just by nature i mean i i do see economics as it's a social science it's it we are trying ultimately to explain a human behavior on mass and i think that's what's so interesting about it is we're trying to study what happens with a bunch of overall self-interest self-interested people come come together and that doesn't necessarily mean you know having to be trading goods or services you know we are sort of trading time as well our, our own time uh with one another and i think you can 
draw out some very clear sort of comparisons to the sort of the commercial world to to the dating world. And I mean, to take your sort of example about you know, it sounds like you're doing a bit of a trial and error kind of volume play yeah. uh, to to, kind of, to see what works. And uh-huh. you know that that is. I think what we see now, and my book actually came out well before Tinder, unfortunately, because I think there'll be a lot to say about that. Yeah, um, oh, I'm sure. But I think the way I kind of, I've, I've seen that is something you're massively increasing your number yeah. of options and much more players in the uh-huh. market. And the more players there are on the market, usually the more efficient it becomes. There's more you're more likely to actually get a match if you or if you if you have the more information which is out there and that people are all being potentially joined up together like in a, a marketplace rather than just having to rely on meeting the person down the road and so i do think that there is there is a certain yeah there is a science to, to, the, to that approach is that you know if you're willing to sort of roll the dice a few times to try different approaches and not feel too committed to it then that is certainly one way one way to go so you've kind of alluded to the ways it didn't really work out or serve you thinking about relationships that way i know you kind of talk about it like relationships which are inherently not necessarily rational in these like very rational terms how was that journey of you kind of coming to that realization yeah i think it was when when you go from the person who gets hurt in a relationship to the person who hurts someone else and the reason that you've heard them is because you've taken this unbelievably self-centered view on on what you need. And and then you actually realize that the reason that you weren't perhaps getting what you wanted out of it is because you weren't giving enough in the first place. So it becomes sort of self-defeating. And I think it was actually, I came across it, I can't remember exactly where, but it was a, it was a C.S. Lewis quote. He wrote Narnia as well as some great writing on love. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. Yeah, um, and it's uh, I, quote, I quote it for in the book, which is to say that you, to love is to be vulnerable, uh, because yeah, unless you're you you are vulnerable, you know, and you never let someone in, then then you'll never actually experience actual true love. And, and I kind of really resonated with me because you realise like when you're on the defensive and you're really worried about the worst case, which is you know being dumped again um that you you never see really what the other person's really made of because they they may have an equivalent and sort of opposite reaction and so it was in a in the subsequent relationship probably about a year after the one which ended after six weeks where i found myself in another relationship this one lasted a bit longer but but we did you know i took a very different approach which is actually just to say well i could tell actually i think she'd been in some bad relationships recently as well and so mm-hmm. i sort of just like put, went out on a bit of a limb even though I, it was so completely contrary to what i taught myself before and it, it, you know a really great relationship blossomed very quickly once you sort of get out of that initial does he like me does he not like me does she like me or not and you just get it out in the, in the open. You can just sort of really progress from there quite quickly. But it does involve taking an enormous risk at the start. And I think the sort of conclusion that I can make in the book is in the chapter called Keynesian uh, Love is this idea where actually someone needs to make the first move in order to create the confidence, the mutual confidence in order for the, for the actual relationship to to really be successful yeah i really liked your tie-in 
at the very end with uh i'm not sure how to say his name is it canes uh K- yeah canes canes yeah with his quote on like risk assessment i, th- I found that to be a a really cool way to kind of tie the book together and be like, this is what I learned. But also there is like still kind of a principle there. I really like that. I resonated so much with what you just said. I feel like I'm trying to allow myself to be willing to be vulnerable because it is so much of a risk. And it almost feels like, you know, that moment when you're about to step off a cliff and tell someone, you know, your real feelings for the first time. I'm finding myself learning that feeling again. So that was just great to hear from you. I, I think I needed that. I took a lot of takeaways from what you've just said. Any final questions? I've got a couple yeah, questions. Good, that's questions. Okay, so we want to do this activity with each person we're interviewing. We're calling it speed dating. So yeah. <laughs> we've just got a couple really quick kind of rapid fire questions we'd love you to answer. And I think you've kind of touched on the first one a bit. But how would you describe or define love in five words or less? <laughs> this We're is putting the, the pressure que- on. This is the kind of question my mum asked me to say. <laughs> <laughs> a deep emotional connection plus <laughs> procreation. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Emotional and very literal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Is there a short lesson about relationships or love that you would share with our listeners or that you wish that you could have shared with your younger self? I would say don't take it so seriously. I've never believed in it being either one person's right for anyone. Like I think um, generally putting putting yourself out there having an open open mind if one person isn't right for you doesn't go well there is a, there's probably a good reason for that no right. one ever really i don't think anyone ever loses an opportunity for to find the person that they're really meant to be with yeah i think you know that there would always be a good reason why they're not you're not with that person so i, I would never think about you know losing yeah being fearful of losing someone i'm missing an opportunity i think you know you know when you'll know and you end up with the right person right yeah that that is true last speed dating question do you have a favorite love song or a favorite romantic comedy if you're into romantic comedies (laughs) uh well my first dance uh was um your song uh elton john oh wow that's great uh which is yeah, it makes me a bit tearful even kind of listening to it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so. now it's just absolutely brilliant. Okay, that's a great love song. Great and then rom com. I think we might watch it twice a year still uh, when we're feeling a bit down. Is love actually? Oh, that's my favorite that's as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Well, those are all the questions I had. Anything else, Adrian, or anything else you want to share that we didn't talk about? How can how can people find your book? Uh, I think it's probably available from most secondhand bookshops <laughs> we found it online <laughs> yeah it's uh you can definitely get it on kindle and and amazon mm-hmm. if we can say, say amazon. <laughs> i think i got an apple books well thank you um, um so much for your time oh were you gonna say something else no, i was gonna say if, if you do if you do read the book do um read the disclaimer carefully at the start of the book some people get to the end and don't read the foreword which sort of explains the overall philosophy because some people do look at it and go this guy's 
he's an asshole. Like he, he, <laughs> he is, he's uh, reducing women to objects, and he's playing a nasty game. And don't trust this guy. Uh, you know, as far as you can throw him. Well, actually, I th- hopefully it came through. You know, it's, me- it's meant to be a quite heartfelt, very cut tongue and cheek um, account. Um, and uh, you might even learn a little bit of economics doing it as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's definitely what I got from it. And like, I definitely appreciated the forward because I could definitely see how I would feel about you and the book colored otherwise. So like, uh, I definitely appreciated it as you stated it. It's like this very experimental. You speak in very broad stroke, and like again, you read through to the end because at the end you're like, okay, this is what I've learned from it. I definitely made some poor choices along the way following these <laughs> principles. I found it to be a really interesting and very honest and heartfelt book so i definitely enjoyed it and the, i think just to finish off just the, the, what actually happens in the end the story the, the post log what's, what's it called After- epilogue right epilogue. Yeah. yeah i um i ended up marrying my editor oh my god it's a rom-com right there yeah yeah <laughs> i think your favorite rom-com is your life <laughs> how long have you been together we've been married two and a half Yes. Oh, congrats. Yeah, congrats. Now, now we're one year old, right? Yeah. You said. So we went into lockdown pretty soon after yeah. Wow, yeah. getting married. So it's quite intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such a good story. Great ending. Yes, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the, the rest of the, the series and really good talking to you. And um, I hope, yeah, the dating goes to plan. <laughs> so you. do we. Yeah. So do we. I'm going to be vulnerable. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Follow along on our socials at Open Heart Surgery Pod on Instagram, Open Heart Pod on Twitter, and Open Heart Surgery Podcast on Facebook. This podcast is produced by Adrian and Susanna with music by Space Baby and logo design by Emma. This is a Lost Frequency audio production. <laughs> I kinda like it. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. Cannot sleep. Cannot dream tonight.